Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me in Melbourne as always is Mitch. G'day. And we are continuing with our A to Zs of 2021 and we're up to the letter P. We've gone out on a bit of a limb this time and a rather obscure film from Norway of all places called The Pinchcliffe Grand Prix. Yep. Now, I didn't know an awful lot about this film until you mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. So my personal connection to this movie is I watched it for the first time this week. Well, I'd rather you know my history with this film. Yeah. So why did you come up with this for our P episode? Well, I just, it's, a, it's a weird go-to. I reference it a bit because it's a film I discovered about oh, maybe 10 years ago, back in my old torrenting days. And I've actually got nostalgic for a torrents, for the old torrents. I haven't done it for years, but. There was this website called Cinemageddon, which you had to subscribe to, and you sort of had to upload and download, like you, you know, you had to give and take. If you took, you had to give, so you had to have a ratio. So you had to be online, you know, sharing essentially what you're downloading. Seeding. Is that yes? That, oh, God, a long time ago now. So I actually went to my hard drives, one of my old portable hard drives, to find it, and I had a Cinemageddon folder, and it was a great website for torrents of just obscure stuff there was just things i had never heard of including this and it's just like you read it read the description it's like that sounds interesting i'll download it and it was back before children and all this sort of stuff and i just had the time to watch crap Hmm. like the weirdest of weird crap and the more obscure i remember downloading this because it sounded interesting and read about it it's like that's an interesting story that i've never heard of this movie before but yeah it's it's that was my finding for it that 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 was a history of it so i watched it and it was just this nice little film it was in english it's a norwegian film but yes they have dubbed it and it was released in australia in 1980 but it was released in norway in 1975 so it was just i guess movies just did that back then yeah there might have been money involved but um it is Norway's highest grossing film. Now, it's not that much of a shock, I think, because I don't know of any other Norwegian films, but yeah. No, I couldn't think of anything Norwegian off the top of my head. I, I can think of a few sort of Swedish films, but um, a few of the ones I Those thought might have been Norwegian films. were actually, no, actual oh. you know, Swedish normal cinema. Okay. But no, I couldn't think of any other Norwegian films off the top of my head. Yeah, so, so I mean, technically we are cheating. This is in English, Pinchcliffe's Grand Prix, but in Norwegian it's the Flaklip. Grand Prix. I, I apologise to all our Norwegian listeners because that is uh, probably badly pronounced. Yeah, I was about to say we probably do need to put a bit of an apology out there because I think we're going to be butchering the Norwegian language. Well, let's, let's butcher some names right now. So the film is a, t- to clarify, it is a stop motion animation movie. So it's very similar. Even though it's 1975, it probably looks like the closest thing would be 60s Rankin Bass. I, I would say hmm, that's a good example. The character works on that sort of thing. So it is based on characters from a Norwegian cartoonist, Kjell Orkrist. Yep. The film was directed by Ivo Caprino. And um, it's, it's, I suppose if you want to say it looks like 60s Rankin Bass, but it's it's very similar in tone to Wallace and Gromit, if you wanted to put the two together. Hmm, I, can, I can see that. So the main character in the English version, is Theodore Rimspoke. Yes. 
and I think it's Redor Felgen in the Redor original Felgen? Norwegian. Yes, that's right. And he is a, a bicycle mechanic who is a bit of an inventor on the side. And he also makes mechanical flagpoles for the Navy. And that lives up the top of a mountain, like the very top of a very windy mountain, in a, in a shack with his inventor shed and all this sort of stuff, and living his best life with his two friends. So Lambert the Hedgehog. Yep. And Sonny Duckworth, who apparently, according to the Wikipedia, is a magpie. I thought he was meant to be a duck. That's why his name was Duckworth. I thought he was a duck too, but yeah, it says here, a cheerful and optimistic magpie. Yeah, and uh, uh, he's a bit of a morose character, the hedgehog. He's like, ooh, he's a bit like Eeyore, if you want to compare it to other things, where he's a bit like, whatever, slow, drawn out, where the magpie is always very excitable. And Theodore, that we talked about, the inventor, he's a human, and he's, he's an old man, probably, what, say, 60s to 80s? depending on how you can judge stop-motion characters. And they just live in their little world, and they're very Wallace and Gromit in a way that they've got sort of, you know, he's got a crazy inventor-style things around the house. Just, you know, the kitchen's got little inventions and stuff like that. Yeah, very much kind of like the Rube Goldberg sort of machines, yeah. the way he sets things out around his house. Yeah, so it starts off, and they're just hanging out, doing their thing, and he's repairing his bikes, and they get the newspaper, and the the postman comes up the hill. He walks up this giant hill because they show the, the mountain that he lives on. And he's got his arm in a cast. Do they explain why the postman's got his no, arm in a cast? No, I don't think they do. A lot of people have injuries in this in the background, and they're not explained. It's just like, oh, it's a weird trope. Like, they've just invented this character to establish that mail got delivered. But they, they injured him. <laughs> it was like... For no reason. But maybe it might reference back to the comic book that it's from. I don't know. Maybe it does. Yeah. Yep. So it comes out that his old assistant, they get the newspaper and his his old assistant is going off and he's a Grand Prix champion. And they sort of whinged about the fact that he stole some of his ideas when he worked for him before he left his stole. And he's using his inventions to be this, you know, world champion Grand Prix driver. Yep. And it's sort of like, oh, I should show him. It's like, oh, and the magpies are all like, yeah, you should. And the little hedgehogs are like, but you know, it's it's all fine. And they go, yeah, well, maybe we could. And he had, he had designs for a car that would beat him. It's like, oh, I don't have the money on it, whatever. And happens upon circumstance that the magpie is looking through binoculars out the window and he looks down and there's a stereotypical Arab in full robes with a gold and 24 karat gold Rolls Royce and he goes he'll help he he might be able to help us so he goes down there to try and coerce him into giving him money and support to get the inventor to make this Grand you know this car to win the Grand Prix and you know long story short it happens because he is a, yes. he's an oil baron, essentially, and he goes, oh, if I had yep. the right car to promote my oil in the right car, it would you know, be good for my brand. So they come to a deal. It all goes ahead. They make the car. They build it, and it's a big twin engine, twin V12 engine or something with rockets and a radar and blood for some reason. Got samples of blood, of course. Because um, he put his heart and soul well, and blood did. into no, but there's like car. literally That's, that's why. Because they, they have a TV camera at one point, and they're going through the car saying what, what's so good about it what's this and he talked about the engine the turbines and the jets and the this and the that and and there were like literally test tubes of blood and there was a blue blood one for if they ever come across any royalty and it was like weird take but okay yeah so they make quite a reference about the fact that once it's completed the car itself weighs 2.8 tons and it sets off the Richter scale in Bergen at 7.8 on the Richter scale so it, it's a big car and it needs to be a V12 engine because if your car's going to weigh two 2.8 tons you're gonna to need a pretty bloody big engine to make it go fast yeah, so exactly. yeah 
But they, they do make quite probably a quarter of the movie, I think, is them building the car and going through what they're putting in it and stuff. Yep. So it, it's quite in-depth. Yep. When they build it. So they build it, they do it. He's from Pimscliff, that's where the name comes from, the town, and they all get behind him and they go and do the race. Now, obviously, the bad guy gets word of this, so he wouldn't be a bad guy if he didn't come and try and sabotage the situation. And this guy, he has a name. I've got it right here. Rudolph Gore Smiley. Gore Smiley, that's right. So, yeah. Yes. And it gets down to the race. Now, we're talking 1975. So, the cars are all sort of you know, sports cars of that era. That's what they all look like. Actually, you know what they reminded me of? They they kind of look like the, the Le Mans 24-hour cars that you saw back in the old footage. Yeah, it's that era. They're that sort of real sort of, yeah, swooping sort of long cars with big spoilers and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously, the, the car that... That, that Rimspoke himself makes, which does have a name. They call it El Tempo, is it Giganti, how they pronounce it? Yep, that's good enough for me. But yeah, it's huge. And his car looks different to the other cars. It looks like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's that old school, yeah. It's you yep. know, um, the Great Race or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's that sort of car. Rudolf Gore Smiley's car is slightly different to the normal sort of style of the cars as well. In the fact that he has a co-driver in the cockpit, and they're set up kind of like the plane sort of cockpit, where they're one behind each other, like one in front, one behind, rather than sitting next to each other like the other cars. And and his car, the baddie's car, is like a, a big black car with lots of exhaust pipes and and. It looks like the baddies car. So needless to say, they go on, they have a race. Now, full disclosure, I don't remember how it ends because I rewatched it again. And the file I had finished about five minutes before the end. So I'm just as not in the know as you guys. But if you guys want to track it down, it's well worth the watch. It's a lovely little pleasant view. Um, needless to say, there's a race at the end. I reckon you can guess who wins. But anyway, yeah. anyway. as far as the plot goes, you get it. It's it's straightforward. It's a kids or a family movie, but it's stop motion. And what interested me was the story behind this film more than anything else. So this is Norwegian, based on a Norwegian cartoon. And it was yep. going to be a 25-minute short originally, stop motion made by the guy who made it. And it just didn't work. They were going to do like little shorts based on the cartoons, and it just didn't work. And they had 25 minutes after, you know, months of, of doing this stop motion work, and they just basically canned it going, it's, it's just not working. And then it was the son of the director. Director, I think, goes, why don't you make it into a movie? And I go, oh, I, they did. So that's fine. You know, and you think Hollywood stop motion, you think Wallace and Gromit, you think Nightmare Before Christmas, you think all these sort of movies. But no, this was the team of five people made this movie, which absolutely blows me away. Yeah, because the amount of effort that they've put into it. Early on, the stop motion, I was really impressed with. But then when you actually get to the race side of things, it blew me away as far as how good the stop motion yeah. is. There's really a sense of speed when they're driving. And you don't get that a lot in stop motion and you don't get that a lot just in normal drawn animation either but the way it's done i don't know what they've done different to other stop motion but the car racing scenes really look good. yeah so i mean the straightforward stuff when they're just walking around in a room it looks like rankin bass you know the camera doesn't move the people are animated in it but with the car scenes they couldn't do that obviously it's not that same sort of thing so the backgrounds are moving so the camera's in the foreground the car's staying in focus but the backgrounds are moving but the camera's also moving around around the cameras at some point. So it's like, yeah, it, yeah, it's really effective and really cool. So, and the fact, yeah, reading here, it took three and a half years to make with a approximately crew of five people, which is just amazing. That that always blew me away. So when I watched this movie, when I discovered it and found out, I read that and then it's like, this is Norway's highest 
producing film, which which I get. You know, they, I I don't know how big their film industry is, but this is the big one. And it, being a family film, I could get that, so all the kids would watch it. But it's this is the stuff that blew me away the most when I read about it, and this is why it's always been a reference for me talking about this movie that no one. Well, I'm not saying no one's ever heard of, but ne- I've never mentioned to anyone. I go, oh yeah, I've heard of. Came yeah. out in 1975, and it was enormous success in Norway, selling one million tickets in its first release alone. It remains the biggest box office hit of all time in Norway, and they claim that it sold five and a half million tickets to date, and that, and which is pretty amazing considering there's only five million people in Norway. I mean, yes. people have seen it twice. I get that, but not many countries can pretty much claim that everyone in the country has seen your film, which is just a fair thing. Like it's the John Farnham of movies for Norway. Yeah, well, they say that for a, a long period of time, it was showing at least once somewhere in the world for a continuous period of 23 years. I think it was so from 1975 to 2003. Is that? 28 years, 28 if that's my maths. Years, yeah. But there's yeah, 28 years. So they're saying that it was airing or it was screening in Norway every day and it was screening in Moscow and Tokyo at one stage as well, almost on a daily basis for yeah, a massive long time. And one of the other facts that they have here on the Wikipedia is that it was the highest grossing stop motion animated film up until 1993 when it was surpassed by The Nightmare Before Christmas. So for a little non-Hollywood, you know, Norwegian film, it's got a lot of accolades behind it. I think so. And the fact that I never heard of it, and I, I bring it up a lot just to reference because it is so obscure, that no one I know of has heard of it. And I've got a lot of friends who are in the cult of obscure films. And yeah, yeah, it's just one of those weird curiosities. Yes. Interesting, though. Apparently, in the year 2000, a computer game was actually released based on the movie itself and was available on Nintendo DS from 2010. So I'd never heard of that either. No. And they've also done three well, remakes, essentially, or spin-offs. So mainly starring the character of the Hedgehog and the Magpie. But there are computer animated films out there from 2013, 2015, 2018. So I'm guessing. Okay. Um, I I did look at the trailer of one of them and yeah, it's got that look. They they definitely look like it. So they must look like the cartoon characters, but the um, old Theodore character looks a little bit different being computer generated, but it was high quality stuff. It wasn't cheap. I mean, 2013. So yeah, it seems to have done okay, but yeah, it's a whole world out there that I didn't know about, but yeah, I find it absolutely fascinating. And why isn't there a Lego version of the Tempo Gigante or Il Tempo Gigante? Well, they've made some real life replicas of it that used to, you know, tour around Europe and promote the movie. But I guess because it is so big, they couldn't really get away with doing too much in real life. But yeah, it would be nice to see a Lego version. So just getting back to the film itself, being the fact that I, I didn't see this when I was a kid and I've only watched now as an adult i do see that there is layers to the movie like a lot of family films there's things for the kids there's things for the adults i really enjoyed the adult side of things as far as the races and the human characters but i didn't really get why we had the hedgehog and the magpie character at all though well it's probably just part of the cartoon that just doesn't translate without knowing yeah maybe yeah i thought they kind of let me down a little bit in the fact that i didn't know why and the fact that the bad guys had i think they called it a hybrid between a chimpanzee and a gorilla that was like the big henchman for them as well i didn't really understand why they needed that non-human character either but yeah, maybe that's just me. It just was weird. We had a harem girl that was also a magpie. Who knows? You don't question these things. It just is. But what I questioned was, why was everyone injured? Because they, when they launched the, the car in Pinchcliffe, all the town were there, and they got a local poet to read an ode to it, and they talked about how he had the sniffles. <laughs> it was just like, okay. 
it just seemed we. I thought it was going to be a plot point. No, he just happened to have the sniffles. I was like, fair enough. Yeah, and just another little side note here: it aired every Christmas Eve in Norway for several years until they changed it till the twenty third of December. But pretty much every year, a Christmas it became a Christmas tradition in in Norway. To I could imagine getting around, open your presents on Christmas Eve, watch a bit of Pinchcliffe, and then um, go to bed full of nog. Sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Norwegian dog. I could get into that. I could totally be up for that. I'd rather this than um that bloody ragtime band shit. Emmett Otter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, give me this over Emmett. I know you. I know you've come around on Emmett Otter, but you know. Yeah, I, I love Emmett. <laughs> you mentioned that it's it's an obscure film that not many people have heard of. The soundtrack is actually streaming on Spotify. Really? Yeah. So when I went looking for potential music to chuck on the end of this episode. I typed in Pinchcliffe into Spotify and you can listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack I thought was actually pretty good, although there's one extended scene where they're doing the unveiling of the the car and the local brass band plays a song for them. Elvis. And I just thought that scene oh, I just thought that scene went on a bit too long. It was a strange scene because it was a guy playing piano and it was a mishmash of songs with a mishmash of instruments and it sort of come together. It was interesting. I, I again, I, I didn't mind it, but maybe that's a result of you know only five people working on this thing. Well, I don't know. It, it, it kind of had that jazz sort of mentality about the fact that it was a bunch of musicians that were playing together, but playing completely yeah. different songs. I didn't mind. I thought I did take notice of that. I, I thought it was interesting. But I thought the music was good, but I wasn't sure about that particular scene. But the the music worked well. The music when they're actually doing the race, I thought, added to the tension of the race. And it was just, I think nice is probably the best way to describe this movie. It just all flowed very nicely. I'd I'd definitely show my kids, but I'd probably have to find a copy with an ending to it because that would be really mean. Yes, probably would be. All right. Well, speaking of endings, is there anything else we want to add to this one? I don't think so. It's just if you can check it out, check it out. It's a, it's an obscure piece of history that you can go and talk to people about. So, yeah. Do you know this was Norway's biggest grossing film? And, you know, little things like that. It, it was shown in a cinema somewhere around the world for 28 years straight. You know, amazing stuff like that. People love that sort of stuff, being told obscure shit they don't care about. Do it. Yes, definitely do it. All right. Good idea. Now, if you have any feedback for us, you can find us on our website, themapodcast.podbean.com. On Facebook as facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast. We are the MA podcast on Twitter. And until next time, Mitch, thank you very much. Thank you. And hopefully we'll come back next time with something a little less obscure than the Pinchcliffe Grand Prix.
I saw this weird movie. Did you know it was hot? No, it was just. Eh. Did you know it was. <laughs> Did you know this was Norwegian? Norwegian? Okay, stop it. 